Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Sports Next Door. Not only the first and only one Owen hasn't introduced because he's not here, but our first guest episode. I'm joined today by Albert Craigle, musician, songwriter, guitarist, overachiever. Uh, how are you doing, man? <laughs> oh, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the on the show. Yeah, I'm super pumped to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, it took about I think two months. It was kind of the start of December. I messaged you about maybe doing this. That about two months after you put out the EP. That's kind of going to be the center topic for today. A bit less sports on this pod than any other episode that's been on this channel. You put out an EP. I gave it a couple listens, and I don't know what really jogged the thought in my head that like, oh, it'd be fun to do a podcast with you talking about this. But once that idea got concrete and set i kind of being the nervous person knew like okay if i'm going to talk to someone about music they wrote i better listen to that music a lot or like try and know it so i've had the pleasure this past week of listening to it as much as i could really awesome man it's <laughs> well, yeah thank you yeah i appreciate it i mean yeah it's uh yeah i was super pumped about that release i mean uh it was uh, i mean it was just an ep so i guess it wasn't like as much work as maybe like an album or something, but uh, yeah, that was that was a big, big effort to get out. And I'm also, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it too. I mean, I'm, I'm super proud of it. So, a lot of kind of different things going on musically in them, just in terms of like the song construction of okay, intro, solos, chorus, verses, versus um, the last song invariant, which is kind of none of that structure. But reading what you wrote about the writing of this, it did kind of seem like you had three concepts you started with, like the intro for Set Sail, um, wanting to write that lo-fi ambient, but like heavy sound inspired, and then uh, the concept of having a chorus in two different keys. And then it seemed like you were able to just fill in the rest organically from there, from between about January to May. Yeah. Um... It's, it's always like, I forget a lot of stuff when I write, like in the moment it, you know, like I have like some maybe like thematic ideas for the EP, which sometimes I'll like abandon and like sometimes I'll follow through with. I think with this one, the big, I guess, like overall theme of it that I'm kind of happy with is kind of like, I felt, I felt like I, I was a little bit more than like previous releases. I like found a consistent sound that was more like unique to me. And it was kind of like stuff that I feel like I was running away from a little bit, maybe in the past where I was like, oh, I don't want to write like, I, I was kind of leaning more towards like the people I've listened to. So I listened to a lot of, you know, instrumental guitarists who write pretty complex music that's also really melodic, but at the end of the day, it's still really complex and definitely not easy to write music like that so I was kind of trying to be like that I was like oh, I need to write really like complex music that's you know also really melodic and I was trying to like kind of force that sort of and I feel like my previous EP like Featherweight was a little more like that but with this one I kind of was just you know like in the past I've kind of written what I feel is cliche stuff where it's just straightforward like rock chords it's just pump up music that's not really like that original and I was kind of like I don't want to do that but with this one I was kind of just you know, kind of lean more into that. And then I just kind of was like, I want to write music that's like just fun to listen to. Like, it doesn't need to be the most original thing. Like, I, and like, I think most of it is like at least somewhat original. I don't think this is the most generic music out there, but I think I kind of found this balance between that and like something complex. And I, I mean, I just like, I still have fun listening to it. It's been like two months. Like, I'll listen to the songs occasionally. 
and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the result. I think so. Yeah. Was that idea of, okay, I'm just going to make the music I want to make. And that makes me happy. Something you went into all this with in mind, or it kind of dawned on you little by little, like one track, one writing piece at a time that that's how you wanted to do it. Yeah. I think, I think it definitely, that idea kind of built, uh, as the writing went on, I think, yeah. So the, the first song I wrote was like, was set sail that I think was like where that thought was creeping in. Cause like, you know, the chorus isn't like anything super complicated. It's very melodic. It's very like pump up -y. And I was kind of like, man, like, do I want this to like, do I want to use this idea basically? Like, is, is it like, you know, worth using? Cause it's like pretty straightforward, but it's like pump, like it gets you going. I was like, basically decided like, yeah, you know what? It's like pretty fun to listen to. I'm going to, gonna go with it um i think i guess the way i compensated for that was like i wrote a more com like complicated bridge and like solo section and stuff but yeah and i think invariant was the next song i wrote and it was that was probably that was i'd say is like the most complex like structurally like it like you said doesn't really follow like a traditional structure it's more like one long sort of structure i guess it's like has some more complex ideas there but that one i think was more of like what i would have written around like featherweight it's like a more complex structure like i was like i don't want to do these really like traditional things but i think writing the last two songs like drift and flow state was like where it really came together like, like flow state was actually probably where i really put it to the test because it's like very fast paced it's, like the most traditional structure it's like you know intro verse chorus verse chorus solo outro like that's the whole song you know it's just like it's just fun to listen to it's like upbeat it's still kind of like interesting like i used some more interesting chords and i was like yeah you know it's like it sounds good i think it ties together like set sail and drift pretty well and uh yeah i think by the end i was like i think it ended up in a good spot like with that whole theme so yeah and the other scent i guess something nice about an ep project as opposed to a full album is like in the post you're talking about wanting to tie different things together, chasing like one feeling to build into the next and then like kind of return back to invariant, but it's still just four songs. So it's like a very compact idea, which like you don't get overburdened or overstressed, like juggling too many things in the air at once. It, I guess also fits in with that mantra of what you were saying earlier, keep it simple. And if it seems right, just go with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's a few albums. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's definitely a lot of them, but like uh, in my mind, it's it's kind of tough to like have this consistent theme going through an album. Like a good one, I think, is like Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. It's not metal or anything. But that one is really, really, like that's a 10 out of 10 album in my eyes. The theme that goes throughout is really well done. Even like Periphery, like they had their two like Juggernaut albums. I'm pretty sure... I could be wrong, but I think the start of the first album is how the end of the second album ends. So it's like ties the whole thing kind of full circle. Stuff like that, I think, is really cool, but it's like pretty hard to execute. So doing it in an EP, I think, is is a bit easier. It's like, you know, it's shorter. It's like you can people will remember like themes and songs because there's only like four or five. And it's like a little somewhere. And yeah, I think for for this EP, like is like this is always something I've thought of doing, but I don't think I've ever done it. But in this EP, I was just like, what if I reuse some melodies from one song and another to like tie them together? And that's, I actually did that, I think in like two, two places, if I remember correctly, like 
flow state, the end, the outro is like a melody from Drift, which happens like after the solo in Drift. That was one. I did it somewhere else as well. Oh, it was also um like invariant, like the melody, uh, the start of invariant. That happens at the end of Drift as well, like the outro sort of lead guitar section. <laughs> I'm trying not to like forget my own music details. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking on the spot, but yeah. So that, that, that I thought was like kind of cool. And like if someone was like listening and noticed, I thought it was like a nice little detail and kind of does a little bit extra to tie the songs together. Um, so yeah, that was something I, I tried this time around as well. I don't really have a ton of experience with kind of instrumental guitar centric type music. Like I guess a couple bands that will put out like instrumental tracks of other songs they have on like the deluxe edition of an album would kind of be the most experience I have with that. And I think I'm speaking for most people when I say like, it's your brain kind of gets to coast when you have words and lyrics in a song, just in terms of tracking where a song is and identifying different parts. So it takes honestly focus that exceeds what I'm capable of to be like aware of everything you're hearing and something instrumental. So having that, it was really killing me with invariant. Like it sounded familiar, but I could tell it wasn't quite right till I went back and read what you had written that you changed the key, but it's, really an enjoyable experience too because you kind of end up just embracing being like a little more lost a little more out of your comfort of, or familiarity with music than I'm at least normally used to listening to but then like those throwbacks and references to other songs are kind of like familiar sign marks or posts letting you just have a bit of relative sense like within that lostness of it all just kind of flows riffs and jams. I know the one song is called flow state, but I kind of felt like I was in one listening to the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, like I get this stuff from like the people I listen to and like, they definitely uh, like, I'm not the first person to do this. That's for sure. Like, uh, I mean, a big inspiration for me is like Pliny. He's like a fantastic instrumental guitarist. Um, And he, I think when I first discovered him, he had like this trilogy of EPs, which were, you know, pretty inspiring. Like they, that was like what I did with this EP, but he did with like three EPs. So he had this like thematic sort of journey over the course of three EPs. Um, They were like really good. Like that, I think those, those like pretty much launched his career, I think in a lot of ways, like I could be wrong, but I think like people discovered those and then that led to him like putting out a full length album, which was like, you know, a smash hit now his career is like like he's one of the most well-known like i'd say modern day instrumental guitarists like he's just like really good but uh yeah i mean i don't know i think it's like with with instrumental music it's at least for me like one thing i I like about it is like it leaves the interpretation a little more open it's like with words it can maybe be like a little more literal it's like okay like they're saying this like obviously you can still have like double meanings and like you can keep things vague but with music it's very much like like oh like who knows like like it's like it's totally up to you to like interpret what their idea was and I think that makes it pretty cool um but yeah also what you say about like having to focus more I think that's also true <laughs> like you have to I'd say that's why it's a little less popular like overall like obviously uh non-instrumental instrumental music is is what most people listen to so um but I think there's like that sort of different angle that you can like view the music through when there's no words it's just kind of like staring at an abstract painting or something and and you really have to like come to some conclusion yourself which is like pretty cool i think yeah 
Yeah, 100%. And it does, once you do hit that state of focus, the way you can appreciate it, and especially like with most of the time going, you've got like the lead guitar, some sort of rhythm going on as well. And then the drums, like, and that is possible to like track all three things and really know what's going on instrumentally. Whereas like words and lyrics will always obfuscate some of your ability to do that. So I think it does once someone can get past that, like initial strangeness or unfamiliarity and like tap into it, it really is like a different world of listening, which is really cool. You mentioned the inspiration writing it. And I guess I'm wondering like, are you kind of noodling, teasing, writing stuff all the time? And when something just clicks, it's like, okay, here we go. We're going to write a little more um, with intent. Yeah. I don't know. The the writing process is like such a like fleeting thing. Like, uh, you know, everyone always wants to be inspired and stuff. I think it's different for everyone too. Like everyone has their own way of doing it. For me, I'd say normally it goes like song by song. Like, usually it's like yeah i'm like i think if i ever sit down and i'm like i want to write a song i'll like never write a song it's just like doesn't work like that uh so it's usually like i'm just like you know maybe improvising on to something or like listening to some music or yeah i'm just like noodling it's like i'll usually think of something like a melody or like maybe some riff um i'm like oh that's cool and then like go from there pretty much so for me it's like you know it usually starts with like like the intro or the chorus of the song whatever like that part may be um then i kind of go from there but yeah i'd say it's like historically like usually i'll maybe get like a few songs written and like then i might decide like oh this is going to be an ep or like oh this might be an album um i think with uh with this one with invariant like the ep overall i think uh i think i wrote like the first two and i was like this could be an EP. Like it felt like Invariant was the ending track and Set Sail was like the, the starter track. And I was like, I need to fill in the gap somehow. And so a lot of like writing flow state and, and drift was like, how can I like transition well between like, how can I make that middle like make sense? Um, and so like drift, I think was easier to write. Like, uh, or I was like more confident writing. I was like, yeah, this, I can see segueing into Invariant and like finishing things off. But I, I had a lot of like, yeah, I remember I, I struggled writing like that last slot, which was like flow state. Cause I was like, I wasn't super sure what the feel of that song should be. Cause I was like, you know, if you look at just like set sail and drift separately, like drift is very chill to start off. It's like very lo-fi and then set sail just ends on such a like high note. They don't like, how can I possibly like bridge these? It, like makes no sense. Um, so I spent like, yeah, like basically, yeah, I guess the solution was just writing another uh upbeat song with like an ending that kind of relates like melodically to drift i guess that ended up working but yeah i guess it just varies but um i think usually i go on a song by song basis um, and at some point i might decide like okay i'm gonna make this like a collection of things either like an ep or an album uh and that's i guess where like the thematic elements might start coming in a bit more because like song by song it's like i just want to write something cool most of the time <laughs> it's, it's, i'm not really like yeah i'm not really thinking too much about like yeah, the thematic part uh, at that point, so. Yeah, I guess once you have like 60% of the image or picture or idea formed, like that's when 
you can kind of know what that remaining chunk should roughly look like and kind of focus in the songwriting to go a certain direction more? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I think it's like, well, what I guess whatever you write first is pretty influential on what comes after. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think if you write something really heavy or something like that, like maybe the rest of the album will also be quite heavy. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think it's like, I think that makes sense for like an EP or album. Cause like, uh, like personally, I enjoy stuff that, you know, makes sense like as a whole, like an album or EP, like if all the songs like make sense together and aren't just like 10 random tracks thrown together, I think that's a lot more enjoyable. So that's kind of how I try and go. It's like, I don't, maybe, I don't think I've ever like just written eight songs and then like, oh yeah, this is an album. It's like, it's always at some point I was like, okay, this is gonna like halfway through writing, I'll like decide to make an album and try and like make sure that it makes sense cohesively like overall. Um, and I think a lot of the music I listen to is generally like that. So that's where I get that from, I guess. Yeah. So that makes sense in terms of the feel and general sense of the song that you want for the, I guess, little or other details, like how for like selecting the guitar tone that's going to be on the songs and then like kind of fills in the cohesiveness of the album and the drumming as well, which I really enjoyed on this one. I felt like it did a really nice job uh, supporting and propping up whatever was going on in the guitar without taking center stage, but like whatever the role is, like the pickups, the kicks, like all just accented it really nicely. Uh, How does like I think those two things give the EP a lot of cohesiveness. How did they come about or where in the recording process do they get added and to the mix? Yeah, I think, well, so, so writing took place over the course of like, I want to say like six or eight months. It's a, it was like pretty spread out, which for like four songs is kind of long. Uh, and so like, usually what I do like in general is like, I'll write something and like record it as I'm writing it. And it's like a demo version. So it's really just so I, like I can get a sense of like what it might sound like at the end of the day. And uh, like, I think for uh, Set Sail and Invariant, I had some like, you know, different tones initially and then somewhere along the line, I kind of changed it. And so like the change version is like what ended up being on the final record. Yeah, it's like, I know it's like also in this sort of like niche of like instrumental guitarists, like a lot of them, uh, are very into like tones and like nerding out and like twiddling with stuff for like hours to get like their perfect tone. I'm just like, not that guy. Like, I just don't want to, like, it's just not that enjoyable to me, even though it's like the end result is really nice. Cause you get a, a sweet like guitar tone or whatever. Um, but for me, it's like, I just kind of want to get something that sounds like pretty good. Now I'll do like a little bit of tweaking, but I don't want to like spend hours doing it and like getting into the like really nitty gritty stuff, like changing the, like, you know, like, virtual mic position on the like virtual cabinet and uh, it's like it's just a lot of like there's so many variables that like i'll just probably end up with like a terrible guitar tone at the end of it but honestly for the for this ep like the two main tones it was like uh it was like the lead tone which was like uh like i, I used one plugin for everything it was like a, a plugin from neural dsp is like the company the lead tone was like a preset and i pretty much just like threw some extra effects on it and did some like really minor tweaks and like that was that i was like this sounds good i'm not gonna not gonna change it and the like distorted like rhythm tones it was like um it was it was kind of based on like like this 
this producer, like was the, the former bassist of Periphery, like Nolly Get Good. He's now like a really big like metal producer uh, and like mixing engineer. And I'm just like, I'm in this like Facebook group where um, I think it's, I think it's for like neural DSP, like just kind of like a user's group. And he just made a post like, oh, here's like, this preset I kind of made, I think sounds really good. And I was like, oh, let me just like copy it. And I was like, oh, it does sound really good. Uh, and so I pretty much just used that for like the, the rhythm. Um, so it was like, like compared to the lead sound, it was like a lot tighter, it was a little more aggressive, um, which like, yeah, makes sense for like the rhythm. Um, so it gave that sort of like tightness and uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. And there was like some clean tones, but those, uh, those I think were either like presets or just like also like small variations uh and there was like the i think there was like a more like ambient tone like what you hear in like drift or something that was something i think i actually threw together but it was also kind of you know started from a preset or something i just kind of like put way more reverb way more delay on it and it made it very ambient so um and yeah for your, for your second point for the drums that's like i don't know it's like I'm not a drummer, so it's like, I'm sure like actual drummers would write cooler stuff <laughs> drums wise than I would, but yeah, it's like, I just kind of like been programming drums for a few years now. And it's like, I always try and make it like, like realistic. Like I don't want to program something that like is just physically impossible to play, like hitting three cymbals at once or something. So it's like, I was trying to make it like realistic and then beyond that, you know, not reusing the same beats the whole way through or like just like always doing simple stuff, but nothing like too crazy either. Cause it's like, I, I just don't <laughs> like, don't know that stuff anyways. And then just like coming up with like interesting fills, I think is the main challenge. Like I definitely have a few that I just like always do. And I'm like, I need to like do something more interesting, you know? So yeah, it's, it's just kind of like similar to like, I guess like the guitar stuff, it's like keeping it kind of interesting, but also not like being complex for like the sake of being complex. So yeah. It, I don't know. It's like the drum stuff. I just kind of, it's a lot of copy pasting at first. And then I like go back and like change, like change stuff up to give it some like unique, uh, like nuances or whatever, like unique parts in each, in each section and stuff. So, yeah. It sounds like you must've been doing it for at least, cause it looked like your first uh, Spotify music was on 2014 and that had some drums on it. So like, something you've been doing for at least if i said 2014 geez it's 2022 that's almost eight years we're old uh, yeah. <laughs> it's something you've been doing a while that's my point and like the progress is there to hear uh how long have you been playing guitar i meant to ask uh it's been like a little more than 13 years so i started in uh 2008 in november um so it's January. Yeah, yeah, it's like 13 years and a couple months pretty much, yeah. Wow, and I think um, your oldest YouTube video was 11 years old, so you've <laughs> yeah. been like putting music on the internet for almost as long as you've been playing guitar, right? Eh? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, to, uh, sorry, what day did you say, 2011? Uh, <laughs> I forget what year. it was 11 years ago so yeah I guess that's somewhere in 2011 or maybe somewhere in 2012 but like ballpark there yeah so yeah I'm pretty sure yeah it was maybe like two years after I started playing or something again I, I guess so uh yeah I think the only reason I even made a channel way back then I was I was still in like elementary school I think or maybe like just finished no no I was definitely still in elementary school and 
it was just like some someone in my class was just like like knew i play guitar i was like oh like make a video i was like okay <laughs> i just like made one i was like highway to hell just like turn on the camera and played along with it like in my bedroom with my like winnie the pooh looking sheets <laughs> on the bed and everything. <laughs> um so yeah it was like that was pretty much it and then like a, i don't know like maybe my next like 10 videos were similar like i was just like it was there was no like proper recording it was like literally just using the camera audio like me plugged into like my amp in my room or something like that and then it just it just went from there and then i think at some point like uh after those like first 10 uh, i think it was like my dad or something was like like listen like need to if you want to like do something with this like you got to improve your, your your video quality like it's pretty bad and i was like okay and he kind of like i think helped me figure out like how to get like a more proper recording setup so like recording into like the computer and then switching out like the audio when you edit and stuff and that was like i think a big step uh, in the right direction and like i think like not long after that like i put out some of those like you know like i started making like metallica covers and like those were like now those are like my most viewed videos even though i made them like almost 10 years ago which is kind of crazy and i was like still a kid in those videos but they've just like really blown up and then right since then it's just like nothing has like significantly changed it's just kind of like i've you know slowly become better at like mixing and producing and like small details and it's just kind of like added up over time i guess yeah yeah i was gonna say whoever it was that told you to like amp up your production quality knew what they were on about because yeah. one of those metallica <laughs> videos has like nine hundred and seventy thousand views or something like yeah yeah incredible um but just the internet youtube part of the music has kind of been there almost the whole way with like it just seems like it's a standard when you write like okay how am i going to film this how is this getting uploaded uh as someone who gets like a thousand views on a youtube video and is like ecstatic and then like checking analytics non-stop for it all the time like do you have to fight that like to be in your head about the analytics too much is there like a healthy amount or is it kind of like the guitar tone drum stuff where it's just like too much energy for things you're not interested in yeah i think there was like uh there was like a peak for my channel. I don't know when exactly. It might have been like like 2015, 2016. It was probably like when I was, it was like towards the end of like um, sort of like this phase where I was putting out like a lot of Metallica covers. And I think it's like pretty much like almost every, I want to say like almost every Metallica cover has been like pretty successful. Like if it's been out for a few years, it might have like 100,000 views. It's just like, I don't know. I'm, it's like to, to the point where I'm like the Metallica cover guy almost like, uh, which you know is like uh kind of cool it's kind of like I, I, I like to some extent i don't want to just be like boxed into the only that but it is cool to like have this niche that um i guess it's like has done really well on youtube and so i mean to answer your question like i think at, at uh at during that phase i was probably like checking analytics a little more and being like because everything was kind of like on the it was like trending upwards i was like oh this is exciting like more subscribers more views whatever um, but like, yeah, I think since then, like things have slowed down a bit, like, um, like school got busier, like started working. So I wasn't like putting out as many videos. Now I just like, don't really check to be honest. Like, uh, yeah. I just like try and put out good content. Um, and like, pretty much, yeah, just like same, same as like the, like EP, it's really just like putting out stuff that I would want to watch if I was on YouTube as like, not myself. Yeah, like I don't, I don't really care about the like results as much. Um, just seeing like, you know, seeing that some people enjoy it, like comment, like 
oh, this is awesome. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's good enough for me. Like, I don't need like these crazy numbers to, uh, to be happy about it. So, yeah. I feel like a heartfelt comment that like engages with what you put out is, well, maybe there's some amount of views I would rate higher <laughs> than that comment, but like, I haven't gotten that amount of views personally yet. Um, being the Metallica cover guy on YouTube has some benefits though, as some people reach out looking to, uh, collaborate that the most yeah. recent music you've put out the enter sandman cover with uh i don't know his name sorry yeah with with alessandro i don't know I, maybe that's not the correct pronunciation but yeah yeah that was that was cool i think he he reached out uh, a few months ago that also took a while to get off the ground but um you know it's like i've had people reach out to me before for that kind of stuff but uh with him it was like uh check like his instagram and youtube and it was like pretty good. He has like, you know, he has like a full studio. He was like drunk. I was like, Oh, it's like pretty cool. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's like do something. And, uh, we were just kind of brainstorming or like, you know, let's just do like Ender Sandman. Cause it's like Metallica's black albums, 30th anniversary, also Metallica's 40th anniversary. And I was kind of like doing a little bit of a Metallica cover break. I was like, I want to do something else. and like, uh, you know, try and like build some different stuff. But I was like, this, you know, this is like a pretty good opportunity. And like, uh i don't think i have like until i put that video i didn't have like a like what i would say a good cover of enter sandman like i had this like really old one which was from my like straight camera audio days and that was pretty much it so i was like this is like too good of a song for me to just not do it justice so um i just kind of saw that as a good opportunity it it honestly came out really well like I'm, i'm really happy with it um like yeah like i tried to make the mix as good as possible and like it was my first time really mixing like like because I, I usually mix just like my own stuff so i don't mix a ton of vocals or like real drums so that was kind of a fun challenge and i think since the ep i've learned a lot of stuff that's like made my mixes better so i well, was like pretty happy with the result in the end yeah from a logistics perspective too you're like first time coordinating collaborating with another musician uh, I've done it. I've done it before, but okay. only with another guitarist. And it was for like, it was a while ago too. It was for like, um, like a Metallica cover, but it was just the two of us. Oh, we did. We collaborated twice actually. It was for like the, it was like a hit the lights cover and uh, my friend of misery cover. But both times it was like, we just played guitar and we did like different guitar parts each. So yeah, this was definitely a bit, a bit more coordination. But really, it was it was not too bad. Like you, you know, you just send files back and forth, and uh, like I, we just like figured out who was doing what. Like I was gonna do the mixing and video editing, so like he just sent me his parts, like the videos and the the audio, and yeah, it was pretty pretty straightforward. So it, it was uh, yeah, it was a good experience. Really fun video editing too. Just the switching between you on the two guitars, the drumming, the man's clearly having a blast as yeah. he like <laughs> belts out those lyrics. Like that's so incredible. Always to see people like go and sing. Uh, I did. That's a nice chance. I wanted to touch back on drift because that post probably the easiest uh, thought provoking. Talking about wanting to have the lyrics and then. Um, not getting there was did you like have lyrics written and like give singing them a go or how far into the that did you get before you pulled the plug on it yeah i didn't i didn't get very far at all like it, it was like like i was listening to this is like one song i still really really like it's called ladderhead by Chris Jack, 
Zatetsky, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's like a Polish instrumental guitarist. Actually, he sings too, so he's not, he's just a Polish like solo musician. That song is really cool. It's like, like he writes really complex stuff that doesn't like sound complex unless you like, I think unless you play guitar, you don't realize how difficult his stuff is because it's just like, it's crazy. But that song is really nice. It's like really kind of ambient, but like has this like really driving beat at the same time. And in my, I've like always kind of wanted to write a song like that because like his singing is like maybe what I would be able to do. Like it's a bit of a lower register. He doesn't do any like crazy high notes. Um, and it's kind of like, like he doesn't sing like rock so much. It's like kind of, yeah, like just more like mellow singing style, I guess. And in my head, I'm like, you know, I can't sing, but if I could sing, this is like maybe doable. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, someday I'll write like, uh, like a lo-fi song. That's something like that. It's so like, when I first wrote that intro to Drift, I was like, oh, this is like a candidate for that. Like it, it could, could pan out, but yeah, I think just quickly, I didn't even write any like lyrics or anything. It was literally just like, I wrote that intro and uh, I think I wrote like the the part after as well. It's like the just the three chords. And I forget why, but I just kind of was like, no, I'm just going to make this like a normal song. It just sounds pretty good. <laughs> I'm just going to like go with it. So yeah, I didn't get very far, but yeah, maybe someday. Um, I just need to, I like really can't sing. Like I would need to actually practice and stuff. But yeah, that could be a future future thing. Fun to have, I guess. So this Metallica one, I'm jumping a little all over the place here. But on the like first time you've worked with uh, lyric or singing audio and had that like, as it's a cover. So in terms of songwriting and creative decision making, there's not like a lot that has to go on to bring that in to uh, accompany you. But overall, a nice process. And do you think you'd work with like other people who can sing on a songwriting thing or? It's oh, yeah, and you yeah, haven't yeah. thought about it. <laughs> I've definitely thought about it. It's just, I just don't know too many people that um, that sing. So yeah, working with someone that 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 can sing and, and can sing metal too, which is which is tough, right? Because yeah, it's, uh, it's it can be really hard on your voice, and uh, you just ha- I feel like not everyone can do it. So that that was really cool, and I think like when he sent me his like vocal takes, um, it was just cool to like, you know, solo them and like hear the takes. Cause I was like, damn, like, that's something I definitely couldn't do. And then like taking them and like polishing them and getting the final product was, was pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, for sure. Like if anyone listening can sing, uh, hit me up. <laughs> we can make something happen. There you go. How's the musical influence these days? Like, what have you been listening to and has that been affecting like what you've been noodling on at the moment? I think lately it's been a little more like, I guess I've been listening to like the same stuff, which I'm not like super happy about. Like I'm, I'm trying to find some new stuff, but it's been most like I've been listening to kind of the same things just like, you know, on, on Spotify mainly. It's like, I think, yeah, I used to like, maybe like a few years ago, I was listening to more like, or I'd say like a ton of like periphery, more like jet bands, like kind of more aggressive stuff like that. And listening to like the instrumental guitarists, I'd say I'd still listen to them and they're mainly still listening to the same people. It's just kind of the, like the, the heavy weights of the genre. Like it's a pretty, it's like a really niche genre. They're not like that big, but uh, in, in like that community, they're pretty well known. And I think I started listening to like a little more like so periphery is like pretty heavy. Uh, I would say I started listening to like stuff that was more like in the direction of like rock. And that probably also inspired my EP a little bit, like that whole sound. This is a band called Normandy. They're really awesome. Like they're just like very much like 
they're like bordering on like hard rock and metal. I'd say they're like more hard rock, but like, yeah, they're like singers, like sounds so good. And like their stuff is just like really melodic, really like tons of energy in the music. And that's like just fun to listen to. Like, like I'll listen to them like when I go for a run or something. Like I've, I've been listening to them a ton. Um, this other band called Bola, they're more like metal, I would say, but kind of like they have a pretty unique sound at the same time. And like their latest album, I'm a huge fan of. Like it's, I think, front to back, just like a great experience. It's like kind of what I mentioned when I mentioned earlier, like this, like these albums that have like a theme. I wouldn't say the album has like an obvious theme, but it's just like all the songs complement each other so well that like it's just really nice to listen from like start to finish. Um, that was probably one of my favorite albums from from last year but yeah it's it's been it's been a bit slow though i do need to find some like new artists probably or just wait until like some artists i listen to drop new music but yeah Yeah, that was going to be my next question are there any albums coming out in the year 2022 you've got your eye on or bands that have put out a single maybe i haven't seen anything yet um i'm usually not like super on top of that stuff i'd say I'll, i'll see it like passively not like actively checking like all oh, like when's Metallica putting out their next album or something. So so far I actually haven't really seen anything. But yeah, it's like usually I'll just go on like there's like release radar on Spotify and I'll check that like once a week and see if yeah. anything new has come out. And if I usually there it's like I'll see a band I listen to has put out a single and then I'll like figure out that an album's coming or something. But uh, I think I could be forgetting, but I think so far I haven't seen anything really. Yeah, I you might. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Zeal and Arder. Is that a an artist? Yeah, they're kind of like I think they're referred to as like post black metal. I heard or something. Oh, okay. No, I haven't, um, I haven't heard of them. No. They've got one coming out in February that like uh, the tracks have been all really different. Uh, that has me really excited. Like one super like super slow and melodic and just kind of like building intense, but never really hitting heavy. And then oh. they put out another single recently that was like a bit more heavy classic. Um, and I don't know how much of an Architects fan you are. Yeah, I, I listened to their newest album, and I thought it was pretty good. It was uh, like. I, I'm not a huge Architects fan. Like, I've listened to, like, their... I think it was the album before the latest one. Holy uh, Hell. Holy Hell, yeah. Yeah. I, was yeah. Like, I just wanted, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. But, yeah. Um, that one I really liked. It took, me, it took me a while to warm up to them at first. I wasn't a huge fan of their sound. I was, like... Usually, if, like, uh, I listen to Screams or bands that do that, like, I'll kind of want the cleans to balance it out and, like, have some nice melody. And... Architects has that, but it's not very common. Like the like the singer mainly screams, I think. So, uh, I was it took me a while to warm up to it, but like that album is really really good. Like now I'm a huge fan. I think it's like just tons of emotion in it and like really do, well done. Do you know the backstory behind that album at all, or like I, why I there's looking, so much emotion? I, there, yeah, it's like I know I forget what it was. Was it like their guitarist passed away? Or something yeah, like that? so. The band was founded by Dan and Tom Searle, I'm pretty sure, who are brothers, of course. And then uh, Tom, the guitarist, I think he was diagnosed with cancer around the time of Lost Together, Lost Forever. And then they put out uh, another one. All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us when they they knew he was going to die and it was terminal. And then Holy Hell is like the first album they wrote after his death. So with a new guitarist and just like they'd kind of been 
conceptually, like you were talking about, like building towards this point, not on purpose, just like life forcing them on that trajectory. And I think just it had to be an amazing album. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, it's like when I, when I first like listened to it, I didn't know the backstory. And I think yeah. at some point I discovered it, um, which I think made the album like when you listen to it through that lens, it's like totally oh, it's, it's really, really powerful. Um, and yeah, I thought the, the new album, I think, uh, wasn't as good, but it's a no, very high part of you can't follow that up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it was still, I thought it was a good listen. Like there's some nice, um, like some nice, like just, just like bangers on there, and a good, pretty decent variety. So yeah, I like, I like both albums. Yeah. Yeah. If you like the balance of, uh, clean and heavy i feel like this newest album probably leans in that direction more than anything else they've put out at least it's i have such a like i listen to music and don't think it's heavy because my tolerance (laughs) for like what a scream is like what a growling or like abrasive guitar sound what like aggressive rhythm is is just so far past until i like put it on in the room with someone else and then like (laughs) i can almost hear it through their ears i'm like ah so to me, that album sounds like so soft because it is relative to their other stuff, but it's still definitely um, quite heavy for a non-regular screamo. But uh, they're re-releasing that album this year. They went to like Abbey Road Studios, which I think is a pretty famous one in the UK. And they got like a full orchestra. And I saw, yeah, I saw the yeah. I think impermanence. Right? Yeah. Yeah I, w- yeah. I was just looking at my Spotify as you were talking about, like, oh, what's on my release radar? Yeah. And that <laughs> jumped out and like, oh my God. Uh I'm working at a moving company right now. And like we do a lot of driving. And I like checked my release radar and saw that in the truck and just like took over Ox and cranked yeah, it. Threw it on repeat. <laughs> and well, I only played it once because the uh I wasn't that mindful of my passengers because I cranked it, but mindful enough to not put on. But oh, it's so good. Like Impermanence, it's like kind of the heaviest song on the album. Like it really crunches. But the way they described it was like, normally sometimes we'll like experiment with the uh, melody, the guitars and do something like a little more radio heady. And then like the vocals will save this as a heavy song. Like he'll just get guttural on it. But then on this one, they like, wrote all these crunching riffs and then some kind of like lighter airier vocals on top of that, at least in the uh, verses. But then when he, they re-recorded it for this, he went like way more guttural and they've got this like huge sound behind them with like the orchestra. Yeah, cool. They put like church bells in it. It was, oh, I mean, Architects is my favorite band in the world. So like yeah. <laughs> the heavy pile of salt, whatever I like to take it with. But uh, that's the biggest one on this year's radar for me and then the one other thing music wise i wanted to talk to you about we are getting decently here on time but uh when we were texting back and forth you mentioned spirit box who've been like my breakout band of last year so i wanted to chat are you i they were gonna tour with under oath and every time i die and then every time i die kind of imploded i don't know if that tour is still happening or not but i assume they're hitting seattle if it is like how on your radar is that and what did you think of the album uh i i haven't followed their tour i know on their instagram they were posting so they they did some touring for sure i don't know what happened with like covid for that but yeah it's like i I don't know if they're coming to Seattle. I, sh- I should check. <laughs> I would probably go. 
Um, although I don't have anyone to go with, I think. I'm, I don't think any of my friends here listen to that. Um, yeah, that that album I thought was was pretty good. I know, like, I think, like my 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 kind of heat check for this stuff is like Anthony Fantano, which is a very one sided opinion. I feel like he has this very strong take on metal, especially, but he wasn't like the biggest fan of it. And his I think his opinion was that it was kind of very like generic it was like not it was like it sounded good but it wasn't like anything they didn't bring anything new to the table and i kind of see that but also at the same time like i think for like the like i i mean like before they released it i think they just had like mainly singles out on spotify and like yeah. it was kind of like like bits and pieces of, like, they'd done like an ep but like four or five years of releasing yeah, yeah. like bits and, and that pieces, was like, like that was a crazy said. ep that was like super heavy <laughs> like okay it's it like a very different i think i think at least yeah. i listened to it at, a ton but i remember like listening to it and it was just like too heavy for me i was like I can't. uh so like the singles were kind of like a different sound it was like more of like that balance uh between like melody and, and heaviness and i was like okay so i think a lot of people were like really pumped when they announced like the full-length album and i mean for me like i was i had it on repeat a ton like i would listen to pretty much most of the songs like i have a few favorites like um like sam Parr was on like track three that yeah it's pretty it's pretty sweet um and I think really the, the the second half of the album is my favorite. It's like a lot of their like more melodic stuff coming in. And um, yeah, I was a big fan of that. But I, I was a big fan of the album overall. I thought it was, it was pretty good. Even if it wasn't like, you know, like perfect or whatever, I thought for a first full length, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, Anthony Fantano forgets more on a daily basis than I ever knew about music. But like, yeah. <laughs> for me, that kind of like, metalcore of like pop and like really heavy crunching sound mixed with like a songstress style is something I'd never heard before until uh, Chelsea Wolf and Blood Moon did or excuse me Converge did the Blood Moon project in November which is also amazing but um that was totally something new for me like and the album like rotates between like having those two things in the same song uh I think Silk in the Strings is just kind of like two minutes of crunching. And then, like you said, the second half is like a lot more melodic songstress stuff. But like, I'd never had or heard all those things. So I thought that was incredible. Um, Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, obviously the fact that the the female like vocalist is is pretty cool. And like, she's like crazy. Like her her singing is like, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's like. Uh, I guess not what you expect like as a first time listener and then that really I think like like hooks you in and it just makes it like a really cool experience so yeah yeah all right I think that's all the music stuff I could remember to touch on I'm (laughs) sure I'm gonna kick myself on like 10 different things as soon as I hit the pause recording button but that's kind of life so this is a sports podcast and I thought we'd chat a little you've been following some tennis and basketball yeah, mainly. Um, like, Do you have a ball team you've been following this season or just the league? Uh, mainly just the league. <laughs> I feel like there's been a ton. There's been just so much drama this year that it's yeah. kind of like reality TV makes with sports. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say I have like a favorite team. Obviously, back a few years ago, I was a, you know, Raptors fan along with <laughs> the rest of Canada. But yeah, uh, I think since then, it's really just, yeah, watching the league and, and uh, mainly around playoffs is when I might start like rooting for some team or something. But uh, yeah, during the season, it's just kind of like a little more passive and, and 
keeping up with like the general news and things like that. So yeah, it's been a <laughs> when we were doing our podcast uh, Friday, I think, like oh wanted to talk about a bunch of different things. And he was like the All Star Game. I was like, I don't care about the All Star Game. Uh, <laughs> LeBron passing Kareem in points soon. That's cool. I don't really care about that. Uh, here's how the Raptors have done this week. That's cool. I don't really care about that. Can we just talk about like the James Harden drama and like Ben Simmons potential trades? Like <laughs> that stuff is just junk food for the soul following sports and like. Yeah, yeah. I think the first two months, because we had like all the Kyrie and Simmons talk like all summer to take us over. I sort of like the first two months, I was like happy to just watch basketball. But like at this point in the season where the playoff seeding isn't like finalized, but you have a pretty good sense of who like the top teams, middle teams and who's going to be fighting for those last few spots are. So it's kind of just a matter of like waiting till the last 10 games when that push happens. Um I'm trying to figure out if the all-star thing is just a me thing or that's a general, do you care at all about anything that goes on that weekend? Uh, no, honestly, yeah. not that much. Like, yeah, I maybe. I mean, like in past years, I've watched stuff like maybe the three point contest or whatever, but it's never like very um, like active watching. It's like, I'll put it on and do something else or something like that. Uh, I think that that seems to be like the, consensus across the league like fan fan base so uh yeah i don't know i don't know how they really fix that but i think most people aren't that into it yeah yeah i guess it earns too much money for them to access it but like the players don't care that much and that some fans do seem to really care especially on golden state ones i don't know if you saw the voting yeah on, like <laughs> yeah. wiggins getting a yeah. starter that was pretty um, funny yeah <laughs> Do you think you know who's going to take the playoffs or got any predictions for finals? Oh, MVP? I'm, MVP? Well, you know, okay. For, for MVP, like, Steph was looking so good, but now he's, like, fallen so far that I think he probably, like, doesn't have a shot. Like, there's this guy on YouTube I watch called, like, uh, Jamie High Roller, and he makes, like, really good NBA, like, kind of, like, data-driven, like, analysis videos, but they're really, like, nice to watch. Um, he did one on Steph Curry and just like the MVP in general in the NBA and how it's very much like not just about the stats, but like the narrative of like your season matters a lot. And so like even a small slip up will just like completely tank your chances. And uh, it kind of seems like that's what happened to Steph. Like he just hit that slump. Um, so yeah, I don't think he's got, he would get it unless he does like something crazy, like just averages 40 minutes a game <laughs> for the rest of the season or something. But um yeah i think it's kind of a toss-up still like it's always like you know Embiid in the conversation Jokic yeah. in the conversation like Giannis is always like really good people so just like sick of yeah Giannis like he's still putting up the exact same numbers he did on that yeah, back-to-back yeah. it's like yeah it's, it's kind of like um like when Westbrook like got his MVP averaging a triple double and then like kept doing it, but people like weren't as impressed by it the yeah. next time around. I feel like it's kind of probably Giannis's problem. So yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like it's a toss up between the, the three of them, probably. Uh, so I don't know. I I feel like like towards the end of the season is, is like what's going to decide it. Like if someone else falls off or starts like heating up for a longer period of time, uh, that might that might decide it. But yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> for the MVP, I have no idea. But e- even for the playoffs, honestly, I don't know. Like, I think it would, like, normally, I 
don't like Golden State that much, but I think this year it's been a really cool storyline for them with like Clay coming back and like no one really expecting they would start so well and, and all that. And I think, you know, it'd be cool for them to win again, but with like a pretty different roster. Uh, I don't really want the championship last time, like no Kevin Durant, uh, but still kind of like their core players. I think that would be pretty cool. And that's pretty much it. I don't know who else. I, even, I should look up like the standings. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Actually. Memphis, the hottest team right now. Like, yeah, that's true. Um, which, like, Golden State's playoff resume is just way deeper than Memphis could even fathom. But I feel that's, like that—that's one on a lot of people's minds right now. Um, yeah, like, John, yeah, John Morant is is he's—he's uh, he's just like the least uh, like the fans' favorite player, probably. Yeah. Like, he's just having yeah really good season so. Yeah, and then did you watch the Australian Open or? I did. Yeah, that was wow. that was. How does like, that work on like, like Pacific time? Oh, I, so I guess. Well, I didn't watch any of yeah. it like live. Really, um, I was just kind of uh, following along. But yeah, on Pacific time, yeah, it's not very, it's not very <laughs> like it's like, shit on Eastern time too. Um, but well, I think actually some games started at like seven p.m. Pacific, so I guess it's like doable. It's not as bad as Eastern time, um, but. I, yeah, it was like I don't uh, I don't have cable, so I couldn't watch that way. And finding live streams, I had a tough time for some reason, so I like, didn't watch for the most part. I was just kind of like looking at highlights and, and uh, looking at the like highlight or the the just the scores of the match. So, uh, but yeah, like speaking of like reality TV, like the start was crazy. Oh was my so god! Yeah, <laughs> it was insane. Um, so that I feel like I, I thought it would overshadow. Oh, the event more, but I feel like once it started, it was uh, kind of forgotten about, and things went on as normal, which I guess is, is a good thing. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a wild ride. Like it just had like a part one, a part two. <laughs> like it just kept going. Like you know, oh, like we think he's gone. Like oh no, he's like appealed the decision. Like he's gotten it. Oh, he's still booted out anyways. Like it's just it was crazy. Like that was. I like I haven't followed tennis for that long, but I don't know if that's like ever happened <laughs> in like professional sports. It's just crazy. Yeah, I think that uh, was a pretty unique event. And it, I wonder, we might hear about it more again now that Rafa's passed him in Grand Slams. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of even crazier. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, like, I mean, yeah, who knows? Like, maybe Rafa would have beat him anyways. But, uh, yeah, like, for him to, I guess, kind of win in that way it will make things interesting it's like it'll be interesting to see what the rest of like Djokovic's season looks like um with the remaining four slams so yeah, i feel like he's gonna he's definitely not gonna take that lightly <laughs> rafa's ahead of him now so yeah i i think the minister for france as all that australian stuff was going on said like yeah if Djokovic wants to play the french open which is the next one and they're one rafa's won like 14 of the last of the 16 time, yeah. Um, he said, like, he's going to need to be vaccinated to play in it. So that's going to, but, um, I really got into tennis last year. I like bought a cable subscription and mostly to watch UFC, but like tennis was kind of in my mind. And then I ended up like mostly using it for tennis. Like I was on the couch six hours a day, like every day while, uh, the French and Wimbledon were going on. Um, and that match that Djokovic and 
Nadal played last French Open that like Djokovic won in the semis was like, oh my God. Um, I feel like he kind of has to get vaccinated just so we get the next part yeah, of yeah. that it's, matchup. It's going to be really interesting. Like, part of me feels like he's too stubborn to do it, but also yeah. like, it could really jeopardize things for him. So it's like, who knows? I mean, also it's like, yeah, the, his behavior definitely makes it seem like, like, yeah, I don't think he's ever explicitly said if he's gotten back. I could be wrong, but he, I don't think he did, but like his behavior, everyone exactly that's what I mean. by like the end of the second day. Like, yeah. yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. It's like uh, how, how stubborn is he? Like, would he jeopardize his legacy um, for that? Like, I guess we'll see. It's just going to be, I don't know, like uh, something I'm glad I'm just observing and not actively a part of <laughs> pretty much. So yeah. The, to be a fly on the wall and like his agent and like the people who only care about his success. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I really enjoyed like getting into tennis last year and following it though. Like it's just such a different sport than like anything else. Like the athleticism, the speed, the technique, the like strategy of shot selection, the way like, at those like grand slam highest levels, you make one mistake over like an hour of play and it costs you so significantly how important it is to play. It's been such a fun sport to like, I've played for 10 plus years kind of amateur with a friend, but like following it gave me a whole new appreciation for the sport. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like, I mean, I don't watch like UFC or, or any sort of fighting really, but I feel like it's kind of similar to that in a sense because it's just like this really long, drawn out battle. And it's like, I guess more like, like in many ways, it's more mental than physical. Um, totally. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, especially like in the men's section when they play best of five, like in the Grand Slams, like that's just like, like I think the Nadal Medvedev match was like, like just now like five and a half hours yeah. just and like that's oh. about average for like a five set grand yeah, slam final just like insane like you know nba players will play with tons of breaks for like what two three hours maybe like uh and call it a day but yeah these guys are playing those kinds of matches for like every day like, for two like, weeks yeah, or two every weeks. other day for two weeks yeah it's crazy um but yeah, it's, it's also like, I feel like a lot of it is like you, you feel the, the tension, like, especially like on critical points, like when they're just like rallying, it's like, and like the smallest of airs, just like totally like either like put one person over the edge or like, like completely flip the script and like one person has all the momentum now. It's just like really exciting. Yeah. Um, I guess like the tough part is it's like, yeah, the match is uh, last five hours. So it's tough to watch the whole thing, but uh, I find like, when you watch like a final or something, it's, you can definitely like sit and watch the whole thing with like how like riveting it is. So it's pretty, yeah, I, I'm similar to you, honestly. I think I got more into it like a year or so ago, like at some point during like the pandemic, like I started playing tennis, like uh, I took a couple lessons when I was like a kid and didn't play. And then I was like, oh, I could like, I just like started playing again with some friends kind of offhand. And, uh, just, like played a bit more over the summer and got, got into tennis watching it too. So yeah, it's super fun. It's it's really exciting to watch. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I think it was the French. Like I, they do both the semis back to back. So like that, oh, I can't remember the order. If it was Djokovic Nadal and then Tsitsipas uh, Zverev or the other way around, but like each one went five sets. Yeah, and it was like ten hours. I 
which like I can do once. And then um, I guess the finals were like two days later. So I was able to rewire my brain. <laughs> Until you recover. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's a crazy sport. Um, that's like the interesting thing is like, well, like even like this final, it just happened, like coming down from yeah. two sets to love uh, is really, really insane. Like it's, um, like apparently people were still like counting him out in like the fourth set or something when they were like oh like he's like people are like oh like he you're like oh good for him he won one set <laughs> like okay but like he just like somehow like pulled it all the way back which is like just like keeping your focus for like three plus hours uh, it's like most people just couldn't do it like i can't even like most <laughs> like most people couldn't focus on anything for three hours you know so it's, it's really crazy yeah, I mean, it's so fascinating to see like Djokovic and Nadal who are like past their physical prime. Athletically, like they never, even on their best day, would have matched up against this like new breed. You have all these like six, five players with like marathon fuck you cardio. Yeah. <laughs> and like who can just serve the ball at like obscene speeds but they just can't play as perfectly as those two can for as long. Like you, Medvedev plays like the best two sets he can at first. And then he just like makes a couple mistakes in that third set. And that's like all Nadal needs to just like generate the self-belief. Oh, I can win this match now. And like, once he convinces himself of that, like just the level of perfection and consistency is like, I can't think of any other athlete like that. Like even like Tom Brady coming down the field down like 28 to three, he still only has to do that over like two quarters, not three hours. Like you said. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I think all those, like even like what Tom Brady does, obviously really impressive, but I feel like it's just, it's just like, yeah, that's it is interesting though, because like you have this like next gen of tennis players who are like on paper just kind of better. Like, you know, they're all taller and like you said, like more fit, um, can hit the ball harder probably and, and all that. But it just seems like the big threes like stayed successful mostly because of their mental game, which I that it's just like I feel like that's pretty unique to tennis, like just how much that plays a role. Cause I think in pretty much any other sport, like if you're like just like taller fitter and like stronger like you're just gonna win yeah you you can find a way to find that like seven foot muscle jumping god like a role on a basketball court even if like the consistency the perfection like isn't quite there but tennis still like a ridiculously demanding athletic sport but uh, i think teddy atlas uh like one of the best boxing coaches and trainers of all time always says like boxing is like 25% physical, 75% mental. So. Yeah. I feel like that, that applies to tennis as well. So rambling here a little, um, this has been really fun, man. Thanks for taking the time. Oh yeah, no, totally. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Glad we got to chat about a bunch of different stuff and, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. Um, Albert's Invariant EP on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. If listening to this conversation somehow hasn't made you want to go check it out, I'm telling you to go check it out now. It's awesome. Social media they can follow, find you on for updates. Uh, yeah, if you just search up Albert Pringle, uh, that should get you everything. I'm on, mainly on Instagram, outside of YouTube. Um, I try and post there, although not very consistent there either. Uh, but I try to post there like some just stuff outside of YouTube and uh, yeah, on YouTube, just you can search up Albert Craigle, uh with a K. So K-R-H-E-L.
it did occur to me after I asked you that that I can put all of this information in the podcast uh, That'd be good notes. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that's there for you to click on if you're listening to this. Uh, I've really enjoyed this and felt like our first guest episode has gone about as well as I could have hoped, if not better. Thank you so much to everyone for taking the time to listen. Sports Next Door signing out.